For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Jeff Fedoten, the co-host of the Believe in Chiefs podcast. I'm here with Joe Valerio, the former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman. Joe, so great to be here. You know, I'm a Kansas City native, uh, now covering the Chiefs for uh, Forbes.com. And man, I, I grew up watching you and, and rooting for you. Uh, Jeff, I can't tell you how exciting it is to be doing this with you. You know, obviously a, a Kansas City native, a Chiefs fan, uh, to be reconnecting with all the incredible Chiefs fans out there. Uh, you know, I've been living in the Philadelphia area for the last uh, 23 years since since we moved back from Kansas City. And I'll tell you, we miss miss the people and miss that place so very much. Um, but it, And it's so great to to have a chance now to to reconnect, uh, share our thoughts uh, together about, about the Chiefs season. And I know we're jumping right here in the middle of the season, but no time like the present, right, to, to talk about where this team is has been uh, for the last several weeks and, and where we see them going. In no time like the president, you know what, Joey, this is kind of just when it gets going, you know, it's midway through the season. They have a Monday night game in Mexico, then they, then a bye week, but then they play the Raiders, great rivalry for the uh, division. So it's like, this is the time to get going, man. This is when it's getting real serious, you know? Oh, yeah, this is, this is crunch time. And you know, it's funny, Jeff, you remember when we were talking earlier when we were getting ready for the podcast and we were sharing some thoughts about, about the way the season has progressed. And one of the things we talked about was how September has become the new preseason, right? You're right. So it is uh -huh. no time like the present. Now we're through with the preseason, right? And, and now we're, we're in the thick of it because the way the NFL is structured now and the way that they handle training camp, and, and you know, you watch those preseason games, you don't ever see anybody playing together, right? Uh, that's why it's become sort of this, you know, this thought around September being the new preseason. And while players are figuring out, you know, their timing and their chemistry, because a lot of times, you know, those opening games are the first time a lot of these guys are playing together for an entire game. It's so different than it used to be, right? Training camp was six weeks of grinded out with, with your team day in, day out. Most of the starters played, you know, two or three full preseason games before the season started. So, you know what? It's right keeping right in our theme of starting this uh, podcast in the middle of the season as, as the team is really starting to hit their stride at, in the middle of the season. So, you know, really exciting we can share those kind of thoughts going forward. To your point, Joe, um, and I think that's why it was a terrific weekend of NFL football. From the Monday night game was epic. Might have been, you know, the overtime game might have been the best game of the year. Uh, the Chiefs game, the, the result, a lot of Chiefs fans obviously aren't happy with. It was a pretty spectacular game with lead changes and some uh, crazy plays. So many of the noon games went down to the uh, uh, the very last play there. So yeah, you can really tell that the season's starting to pick up. Yeah, um, Jeff, you just look, you just look at the records, right? I mean, this is this is what, you know, we're going to be probably talking about this week in and week out. This is what the NFL wanted. This is what the fans wanted. You know, this is what free agency created for the NFL and its parity, right? Yeah, we still have a couple of teams that 
win, you know, week in and week out. And they've been kind of creating that sort of like dynasty, but there's so much less of them now. And, and this is, this is what sort of the whole collective process was looking for, right? With, with the, with the collective bargaining agreement, with free agency, it's created parity. And, and so any given Sunday, you don't know, and it's going to be those little intangible things that you and I are going to have to identify and uncover that are going to be the separators and the, the differences that make or break a, a game for a team. Uh, because there is so much, uh, you know, everybody's on such equal footing in the NFL these days, talent wise, especially. You mentioned uh, the change with free agency. One guy who joined the Chiefs as a free agent, really a, a compelling storyline from the Titans game, Mitchell Schwartz, the starting right tackle, uh, he ended his streak of 7,894 consecutive snaps. That was the longest active streak in the NFL. How amazing is that? And as a fellow lineman, Joe, uh, you know, how much do you appreciate that and respect that? Jeff, that is incredible, right? I, you can probably hear it in my voice. It's incredible <laughs> that a guy can be out there for 7,894 snaps and not miss one of them. Think about all of the, 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 the influences that would go into that, right? The, the, the weather, you know, the piles that you get pushed onto the players diving into your knees, you know, a guy who spends, you know, offensive linemen, especially tackles spend, you know, two thirds of their time going backwards, right. Pass protecting, can't see where they're going, right. With getting flipped over piles and in, in a big, you know, uh, pass protection pileup and to be able to be that durable, it will number one, it's a testament to his strength training, his, his uh, ability to, um, you know, to be in the best shape of his life and to take care of his body. Number two, the toughness, right? The toughness of, of playing through all that. Because you, you, no one can, can say that he hasn't been hurt, right? It, it, he's probably had something that should have precluded him from not playing in a game at some point. But you know what? That's what teammates look for in a guy like Mitchell Schwartz. You know, leader. They're looking at somebody who's out there day in, day out, playing through the pain, fighting to stay out on the field so that he can show his teammates that consistency. Absolutely incredible. In incredible feat. So proud of him for that. And especially as a, you know, a fellow offensive lineman, a, a fellow fool, the fraternal order of <laughs> offensive linemen that we called ourselves, you know, it, it, amazing. He, he must be such an inspiration to his team. And you know what? And he popped right back in there and, and he finished the game strong. So, you know, hats off to Mitchell Schwartz for, for that accomplishment. You know, I, I think uh, he also, I would say that, after Patrick Mahomes, he might be the most valuable player on the entire Chiefs team. I think Tyreek Hill, you could argue that. Uh, Chris Jones, you could argue that. But they've had success without those two players. Uh, Schwartz is really such a key player. Is, is there a, another fool, perhaps, that he reminds you of, maybe even during, from your playing days or another player now? Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he obviously didn't play tackle, um, but reminds me a lot of Will Shields, mm. right, at guard. Yeah. Uh, incredible strings of games that he put together, seasons that he put together. Right, he right. Super snap. durable as well. Durable. You know, that's so inspirational to a team um, to, to watch a player play through that kind of, uh, you know, those kind of situations where, you, like I said earlier, you, you know that he's been hurt, you know he's been dinged up, but he finds a way to get out on the field to be out there for his team. And, and I think Will, Will's probably the, the first person that comes to mind when I think of Mitchell Schwartz. I know Will played guard, a little bit different position, 
but but nonetheless, you know, you, then you get guys that I knew like Tim Grunhard, Dave Zott, uh, John Alt, you know, playing through pain, staying out there to be inspirations to their team. Hey, the games are one up front, right? And and we're seeing that right now a little bit with the Chiefs' defensive line, right? You're mm-hmm. seeing how even you know, with the injuries that they've had, mediocre offensive lines with a decent running back. You know, you look back to the Titans game and you think about, you know, you think about the way that Henry ran and, and, and the way that he was able to put together those long, big, powerful runs. And look, I'm not taking anything away from the Titans, but they're, I mean, they're a mediocre offensive line. You know, there's no Mitchell Schwartz on that line. And, and they were able to push people around. Uh, so, you know, obviously the games are going to be one up front. And, and I hope that, um, you know, we get those guys healthy up front. You get into this Chargers game, you got a bye week after that. We can get back to a full defensive complement as we start to hit uh, December for sure. Speaking of, speaking of that, as that was obviously a major concern from that Titans game. It's been a major concern for much of the season. They kind of, the Chiefs kind of seem to have gotten their run defense together. They played so well against the Broncos. Uh, the run defense was actually – Fairly good against the Packers is more uh, the short passes to the running backs that got them rather than the uh, runs up the middle. And then they were great against the Vikings, against the leading rusher in the NFL, Dalvin Cook. Now the surfaced again. Uh, how, how big an issue is this going forward, Joe? You think this is gonna, might be the thing that derails the Chiefs on well, defense? Yeah, you know, Jeff, you hate to, you know, a lot of people that I've been, you know, a lot of, a lot of my friends, you know, we're, we're in that age now where we're starting to talk about the old school teams, <laughs> right? We're starting to talk about, oh, remember when, and, you know, we walked uphill to school both ways. And, you know, when I think back to what I fear for this team is I think back to my youth, the San Diego Chargers, obviously very apropos that we're playing the Chargers this week. I think back to the Dan Fouts era, the Don Coryell era of, of the San Diego Chargers, and I think about those, those Chargers teams that literally would score 52 points in a game and they would lose 54 to 52. You know, that's what I don't want to happen. I don't want this to become sort of a one-headed monster of, of this incredible offense, right, and the defense, the defense can't hold up their end of the bargain because I think – I, I don't just think – I know that the level of talent is there. I know Coach Vagnola has the scheme and he has that – you know, he, he's been – he runs a lot of that four, what I would call like a 4-2-5, right, where you get the four down line and you get the two linebackers and then you got your, you know, your bigger, stronger uh, defensive backs almost acting like linebackers, right, because you have to run that kind of defense now in, in the NFL, you, you can't just line up like, you know, when I was playing and you got the 4-4 defense, four linemen, four linebackers, and the three D-backs. There's too much speed out there. Uh, there's too much size. And with the run-pass option and all this RPO stuff that's out there, you know, offense is king. So defenses are going to have to be going back and forth between are we stopping the run are we stopping the pass are we stopping the big tight end you know we got the run pass option you know these quarterbacks who are athletic now I mean even even Ryan Tannehill right had those couple of really nice runs and it it is I it, it is an offensive game right now for sure the NFL is an offensive game and and I'm telling you defensive coordinators right now have their hands full so I think really to answer your question, that was a long-winded answer to, to a pretty short question. It, you know, I think coming back, you know, get to through the Chargers, we come out of there with a win, and then we, we come through a bye week, 
We come in to help. We come with a healthy defense. I think this chief team, I know this chief team has the, they have the coaching, they have the scheme and they have the players to shore up that defense and complement the offense and what they're doing. I, I do have confidence that that's going to happen. You know, uh, other than the run defense, obviously being um, a major reason for the loss, the surprising loss at Tennessee, uh, another factor, of course, with the special teams. I'm not as worried. I, I'm very concerned about the run defense. I think that could be uh, a fatal fall. I, I, I agree with you that I think Spags will get it together. But just looking at the top of the AFC, the Ravens could be tough. The Patriots aren't running it well now, but I think they're going to get their offensive linemen back. They have Sony Michelle. I think they'll figure it out. Um, so that concerns me. Special teams was the other uh, real reason for that loss. That doesn't concern me uh, as much. Just t- Dave Tobe is one of the best in the game. Yeah. And I think it was a little yeah. bit of an aberration. But, you know, we were talking about kind of the little things that cost mm. the Chiefs mm. that game. And one of them was on kind of special teams uh, yeah. before yeah, well, the, the well, end got away. Kind of, from, I mean, like really all three of them were really, yeah. when you think about it, right? Right. I, I, you know, when I look back at the Titans game, and I and I, you know, I watched it a couple of times, and and you know, it was a big play game, right? It it was a, it was a big play game on both sides of the ball, right? There was a lot of big plays, right? Patrick Mahomes basically is he is a big play machine, right? You look at the time of possession, right? The Chiefs have the ball for thirty-seven minutes and fifty-one seconds yeah. of that game. Titans have it for a little over twenty-two minutes. I mean, that is dominant. Offensive, you know, you, you know, think about that. Your defense is only out there for, you know, 22 minutes, but yet they're scoring that many points because it was all the big plays, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was the fumble, you know, the fump, the scoop and run. Rashawn uh, Evans, yeah. It, it, so it, it was a big play game, but the game, the real underlying, when you, when you open up the hood and you look under the hood of that engine uh, and, and you think about, it was the small plays, like you said, that really cost them the game. You know, it, one of the things that we did when I was in, when I was in Kansas City and, and, and Marty Schottenheimer, we always focused on the details, right? That was one of his biggest mantras. Mm-hmm. But it's very hard as a coach to try to coach around, okay, the small plays, the field goal and extra point, the punts, the punt returns, right? How many times can you rep that and run it in a practice when you know in a game you're going to run 60 or 70 offensive plays, right? And you're going to maybe kick three or four field goals? Like how much time do you really spend on it? You only have so much human capital, right? You only have so much physical and mental capacity as a team. You don't want to wear these guys out just running, repping field goal after field goal after Mm -hmm. field goal. But, you know, when you look back at that game, you think about, you know, the uh, at the end of the half, the fair catch on the three yard line. Listen, I was a three hundred pound offensive lineman. I knew because Marty Schottenheimer drilled it into our heads every single time we got into a special teams meeting. You never fair catch inside <laughs> the ten yard line. You just take your chances, right? Because chances are the ball is going to either hit the ground. It's going to it's going to either go backwards, you know, into the end zone, or it's going to actually take a funky bounce and go forward, you know, and, and the, and the punt team is going to have to down it. So, you know, that puts them at the three yard line. Hey, if, if they get the ball at the 20, right. Um, who knows what Patrick can do, right. You saw what they did at the end of the game and totally. 50 totally. seconds, yeah. how far they went down the field and got themselves in the field goal position. And, you know, and they score at the end of that half and who knows what happens, but it's really the devil's in the details. Right. And, and I think, you know, we used to have a saying that it, it's, 
it's not the mountain that wears you out. It's the pebble in your shoe, right? <laughs> you, you, you know, people who climb mountains, they've got these, these big mountains ahead of them, you know, Mount Everest, and they got to go, you know, thousands and thousands of feet up into the air. It's the pebble in your shoe that's going to kill you, right? It's going to put the blisters and it's, you know, so you got to take care of those pebbles, got to get those pebbles out. So, you know, even if as, as the listeners are thinking about their lessons in their own life, right? You got all these mountains ahead of you, man. But you got to take care of the details. That's that's really what's gonna what's gonna win the game. And and I, I you know I think the it was a big play game, but it was also hidden. There was a lot of uh, effort hidden in the small stuff too. And, and the Hardman play, yeah, that was definitely that was a key play that wasn't talked about uh, enough. Uh, and Hardman's interesting. You know, he is so fast. He's showing so much potential. He already has five touchdowns despite, you know, actually limited action. Um, he does make mistakes. I've seen him bobble mm-hmm. plays. Uh, there's been some jet sweeps that he uh, also struggled on, but he is a big play guy. I think that's yeah. just being a rookie, though. Yeah. I think that's going to eventually uh, work itself out. Yeah. Uh, he was fixing his glove on that one play. But, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, my gosh. You know. Right. Holy a rookie cow. mistake. Hey, listen, I was a rookie too. You know, I, I remember, you know, lighting my shoes on fire in Cleveland. <laughs> uh, we were we were in Cleveland. It was like 10 degrees and I had my feet on the heater because, uh, you know, I was playing a lot of special teams and I was backing up. So I wasn't, you know, out on the field staying warm. I remember lighting my shoelaces on fire. <laughs> so listen, rookies, we're always, they're always going to make mistakes like that. You know, going to be fiddling with their glove as the, as the punt's coming out of the air. But, you know, that, that happens. But you're right. I, th- I think he's going he's gonna to mature and grow. He's, he's got all the skills. To do that. That, that's like the old hot foot from uh, baseball, Joe. Oh, that's yeah. Uh, was, uh, <laughs> I didn't know that applied in football. Yeah. I, ended up, I ended up playing in that Cleveland game with two different shoes. Um, <laughs> we had, I had the, the, the trainers, the only other size 14 they had, because at that, it was a really cold field. And so we were using those, what they called shark bottoms. They were like the rubber bottoms, but the, the trainers didn't have any more shark bottoms. So I was wearing a shark bottom and I was wearing a, a cleat bottom. Um, you know, so I had two different shoes on for, for a couple of the uh, special teams plays because I couldn't change both shoes out that quickly. So yeah, so it's a little embarrassing as a rookie to go through something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a maturation process for sure. Speaking of your days, man, I, you know, I, I envision that that type of game, that type of loss to the Titans, special teams miscues and being gashed by the run, Marty Schottenheimer's head would have just exploded, I imagine, if that if yeah. uh, your team had yeah. suffered that. It, it was, you know, we – look, Marty – I look, he was like a father to me. And, and, and you know, he, he was an amazing coach and such an inspiration and, and just, uh, just an incredible human being. But, you know – we did used to say in the locker room that Marty time was Lombardi time and <laughs> we worked. And, you know, I think it would have been a marathon after a game like that. We would have probably repped a hundred extra points, uh, field goals, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and you think about that, right? I mean, you think about that whole game, 60, 70 plays, 400 plus yards for Patrick and, you know, the defense is fighting and they're fighting to keep, you know, Henry out of the end zone and and all of a sudden it comes down to you know one sort of slightly missed you know hand on somebody's shoulder on a on a field goal with no time left right I mean when you think about that that tight end and wing position on extra point 
you know, everybody takes extra points and field goals for granted, right? That, oh, it's just going to, the kicker's going to get it off. And, you know, and you think about the bad Winchester snap, right? You think about, and listen, I had, I had some of those, right? I, I, I was a long snapper and I remember what it was like and, and to get in those pressure situations and to, you know, get the yips a little bit. And, you know, it, it's crazy when all of those plays and everything could come down 60, 70 offensive plays up and down the field to, you know, to, to one or two players missing their hand on somebody's shoulder who's coming around the corner on a field goal, right? Isn't that amazing? It's like amazing. That the game little things, like you said. Yeah. It, like it, you said, it, little things. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah, I, it, 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 yeah, going back to answer your question, it, it would have been a long week, um, <laughs> especially knowing we had a bye week after it. Oh, boy, we, we, would, have, we would have worked. This would have been a work week for us with, under, under Coach Schottenheimer for sure. Speaking of uh, a long week, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, the Chargers played uh, on Thursday and now have until the Monday night game. So they've had a lot of rest. It's going to be a challenging game, just I think that they have that much time to prepare. And they're also preparing actually in Colorado. They're practicing. Mexico City is more than 7,300 uh, feet uh, that's elevation. There. Yeah, that's yeah, that's. I, that's even it's like a thousand feet higher than Denver. Uh, so, how much of a challenge do you think that is for both teams? I, I, I mean, I know you played in Denver a lot. Yeah, I w- w- way, the way that we did it, and I, I think it was very effective because I, I remember they, they would ask us and they would do surveys of, of us when we would come back and after playing in Denver because they were they always wanted to see how it affected us. Mm-hmm. And and I think what Coach Schottenheimer used to do, and and I think is was a very smart. And I'm look. I'm no scientist. Um, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not a biologist, so uh, I, I didn't go to med school. But what what he used to do is we would go a little bit later to Denver than we would normally to an away game. So the way that Coach Schottenheimer always had it, um, and, and some people may or may not know this about Coach Schottenheimer, and and, and most of the NFL coaches, they're creatures of habit, right? Mm-hmm. Like all athletes, they've got you know all kinds of little superstitions and things. Coach Schottenheimer used to time our trips so that we arrived in the away stadium, or not the away stadium, the away hotel at 6 p.m. on Saturday night for a Sunday game. So he would time everything. So if it meant, you know, the flight, he would, he would, he would count in the flight time. He would count in the time from the airport to the hotel. Uh, you know, and generally if we played in, in, in against the Raiders, you know, Al Davis was creating some kind of traffic jams or whatever, but you know, the helicopters flying around, but we, you know, he would always time it so that we arrived at 6 PM at the hotel and, and he would, he would, he would get our itinerary set up right off of that. When we would go to Denver, he, we would try to actually get there just a little bit later than that so that we would get there in the, in the early evening. And then, and then it was pretty much meetings and then right to bed because coach Schottenheimer didn't want us spending a whole lot of time in Denver. He felt, and, and I guess the research that he had done was get in, play the game and get out and don't even give your body a chance to acclimate to the altitude, which was, I thought a very unique thing. And they would always survey us after the games. how did you feel that you, and, you know, to, to the players who were special specialty players who were running around a lot more than the linemen were, right? They didn't care about us. We, we didn't even breathe. Right. So, um, you know, they talked to the receivers and the running backs and the quarterbacks and the D backs and all the guys who, who spent a lot more time running. And they all, we never, none of our, none of our guys ever had a problem with that. And they never had a problem with the altitude, the way that coach Schottenheimer um, went after it. So I'm actually wondering how the chargers will fare 
Yeah, uh, you know, by 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 spending too much time in it and getting too acclimated to it. Right, and it's it's interesting that you say that because it sounds like the, the current chiefs are are a little bit closer to that model that Schottenheimer uh, did with uh, your team when you were playing, because the chiefs actually are on Saturday they're having a normal practice, normal walkthrough at you know at the Arrowhead facility. Mm-hmm. They're having their media obligations, so they're not even flying. You know. That that's how late they're staying in Kansas City. They're not making this. Oh, it's a big international game. We're going to get there early or anything. They're they're staying basically in Kansas City as late as possible. So, too, that, that's going to be an interesting thing to see uh, which strategy uh, works out best in that Monday night contest. Yeah, yeah. If only if only we could be on the airplanes, you know, on the charter flights back with them and ask the players how they felt about it. <laughs> totally. Be, you know, we'll have to we'll see what kind of insider information we can get, Jeff, out of that. Uh, one guy who I don't expect to get gassed, I, I've always just been amazed by not only his speed, but his endurance, Tyreek Hill. Oh. The way, I mean, he basically every snap, he's going all out on like an end, end around, fake end around. He's always in motion. And he always, you, you read about how defensive backs, actually in um, Denver a couple years back, he, the defensive backs uh, who are very good, Chris Harris and stuff, were just exhausted covering him. So I, that might be a, an advantage for the uh, Chiefs in Mexico oh. City. Listen, Jeff, they clocked me on a calendar when I ran the 40-yard dash, so I can't, <laughs> even, I can't even imagine what that feels like to have that kind of speed. And I couldn't believe uh, that Patrick actually overthrew him in, in, in a couple times in that game. That was, that was, a, you know, that was amazing um, that, because, you know, you, you very rarely see – uh, Tyreek Hill uh, be overthrown, right? Because he just finds a way to get to that ball um, with with his amazing burst of speed. He he is he is truly special, and I, I thought he was, you know, obviously just from the statistics, he was one of the highlights of that game. I thought he played fantastic. And look, you know, everybody wants to talk. Everybody always wants to talk about the drops, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think sometimes I think fans expect, you know, they think that the players are you know, they're super human and that they're not going to ever miss a ball. He's, you know, he, he played his heart out. I, I thought the effort was there because you can't question the effort. Hey, listen, people are going to make mistakes physically and drop balls, um, you know, but the effort was there. And I think his effort is, is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. So I, I, I'm just enjoying watching him play. It's, it's somebody who's, um, like I said, doesn't have could never even dream. I can't even dream about having that kind of speed. I love, I love watching him play. He, and I think the week before against Minnesota, he was the key player. He had so many big plays um, and he really victimized. uh, It's a very good Vikings defense, but one in the uh, back end when I was doing some of the reporting for that game that there were, he thought that was kind of a vulnerability and he did a, Expose them. Well, with that, well, you know what, though, Jeff. Real quick, mm-hmm. before we before we do break, I just want to say, I one thing I want fans to keep an eye on in this Chargers game is is um, the, the Chargers. We've we've got to do a good job of getting them off the field. If we want Patrick and Tyreek, because you said you know just kind of going on your thought about Tyreek Hill and and, you know, and kind of folding in Patrick Mahomes into that. I saw a statistic, and one of the things I hope we can do, you know, in this podcast is really give give the fans a chance to see how some of these data analytics, you know, factor into the games and some of the decision making that the coaches are making because it's such a big part of the game these days. Um, I saw a statistic that was very fascinating. I hope I hope the fans will look at the Chargers actually for you know look for their record, they're, you know, they're four and six. They're not, you know, they don't have. I don't think it's the season they thought it was going to be either. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Too, right. 
they are number two in the NFL in, in the average time of their drives. So their drives average three minutes and 12 seconds. So, you know, that is an amazing statistic. So one thing I think that will be very helpful is they look at these, these data, they look at the data uh, as coaches. I think coach Bagnola is going to have to do everything he can to get that offense off the field and not let them have those sustained drives, especially as they're dealing with the injuries and wanting to get Patrick out on the field. So Chiefs fans out there, as you're you know, listening to this and watching the game, take a look at those drives, the length of the drives, and see if the Chargers continue that kind of streak where they're you know, tops in the NFL in, in the average number of drives. It's, 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 um, it can be devastating if they're able to, to keep that defense on the field and keep Patrick from, from getting to Tyreek. Right, that's because that's kind of mo how you beat the Chiefs, you know. Yeah. Uh, came off the so Joe, who you got? Any any predictions uh, for the game? Any score? Well, yeah, you know, let's take the home field advantage out of it. Right, <laughs> it's out of it because it, Chargers, whether they're the home team or not, they're not the home team. This is mm-hmm. this is a neutral field game, and and the only thing I think that's going to be the advantage is the Chargers will get to pick their uniform and and call the coin toss. So you know, hopefully the powder blues. By the way, right, you know. exactly. I do like those. Actually. <laughs> Um, and it complements the red and, and the yellow well. Um, totally. Makes it really look like an NFL game. You know, I, I, think, I think the Chiefs are going to come out of this game ready to play. I think they're going to be prepared. Coach Reed, you know, he, he is – I watched him in Philly all those years, you know, living here. I've been watching him with the Chiefs. You know, he is going to know how to come back from this loss. This, that, is not, that is not a problem. He is going to know what to work on. And, and I think we, you know, we're going to – we're just getting there where the offensive line is, you know, we, we were just getting there and then the injury started happening. So I think they've got some work there, some work on defense, but I think they're going, they're going to be able to expose Phillip Rivers a little bit. I think our defense will be able to expose him a little bit, get after him. Because that's one thing you know this Chiefs team can do. They can get after a quarterback. Yeah, they can, they struggle they're with aggressive. The they're aggressive. You know, did, they, sure. did they struggle with the run a little bit? Yeah, I don't think – Melvin Gordon and and um Eckler, and yeah. Eckler. I don't I don't think they're they're going to have as uh, as much of a um an impact as Henry did um on on us uh, last week. So I think if we can get after Rivers, keep them off the field, lower that drive average time, you know, I think this game I think the Chiefs walk out of there, you know, you know, 35, you know, 14. I really do. I think oh, you think? Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I really I'm, I'm going Kansas City too, but I think it's actually been a close game. I'm saying like 34, uh, 28 uh, Chiefs. Okay. I, I think yeah. the reason why I think it's going to be close, I think that the, when I get the Chargers have a lot of time to prepare to this. It's mm-hmm. almost, you know, they've almost had like a bye week. And Phil Rivers looked so bad against Oakland. I think he's just... I mean, I think he's got yeah. a kind of a chip on his shoulder that yeah. might seem like uh, backward reasoning to think that that yeah. that he's going to spawn. But you know, he's I think he's a Hall of Fame player, and he, I think they're going to make it a challenge. I think it's going to be a yeah. fun game, a great game. But yeah, uh, Joe, I can't see. I, I think the, the Chiefs. Andy Reid usually bounces back yeah. uh, so well from uh, from an off game. Yeah, he's resilient for sure, and the team is it's a resilient team. And I think we're, you know. I am so excited about, you know, the fact that we're, we got this Chargers game on Monday night. It's a big stage. And, man, that bye week couldn't – this bye week literally couldn't be coming at a better time for this team. Totally it really right. couldn't. I mean, sh- you know, it, it really couldn't. I think, I think the, the, the bye week timing is perfect for them to, to get healthy and hit, and hit the peak of the season, you know, getting everybody back out on the field and, and get the timing down. Absolutely. Well, Joe and I expect the Chiefs to bounce back this weekend. We're going to be back – 
next week. This is a weekly deal. So tune in next week for the next episode of Believe in Chiefs. We're going to break down this Chargers Chiefs game. I'm actually going to be at Mexico City. Uh, so I'll kind of let you know what uh, what the scene is like there, how the Chiefs fans came to support them. And Joe is going to give his uh, creative analysis, maybe some more uh, references or uh, shout outs um, to fellow yeah. fools, right? Uh, uh, we got, we got a, Jeff, we got a lot of stories to share. <laughs> I, I, like I said, it's so exciting to be reconnecting with, with the Chiefs family and, and with you doing this, uh, you know, yeah, we're going to have a lot of stories. We're going to have a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to this. I hope, uh, spread the word and, and everybody uh, let everybody know we're going to have some fun, look at things a little differently uh, as we uh, analyze the game each week and tell some stories and have a great time. And, and thanks Jeff for the opportunity. Absolutely. See you next week, guys. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.